If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. And welcome, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're going to talk about the future, and it's better than you think it is. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the reasons for that, you know. So to connect with us, check out our sponsor website. That's uh, BraveHeartsForKids.org. You can email me at missionspecialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. And uh, we, you know, we'd love to have you connect with us on social media, too. Like and follow us on Facebook, the Brave Hearts for Kids uh, Facebook site. And, and uh, look to connect with me on LinkedIn. Our guest today is Dr. Carl Sovak, and I'm excited about the conversation today. Carl is a a professor at the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota, and he's got uh, he's got a lot of different courses that he's he's uh, talked or taught over the years. Um, You know, I usually start with a story, and. There's a story about, uh, oh, I suppose about 10 years ago, Carl and I were having lunch together at uh, a little place called Nibbles and Brunch, a little uh, uh, German dough cafe, and, uh, just, uh, just what you need to uh, uh, get, the, uh, get the energy going if you're going to be dig- digging fence post holes, you know, but uh, all that, uh, that, those heavy lunches pay a, take, uh, take a toll on a guy in the afternoon. If you're uh, if you're working uh, on the radio or or something like that, but anyways, Carl and I were having lunch. We're talking about uh, ideas, and we've been talking about ideas for years. That's that's what uh, is so exciting about talking with Carl Sovak is is uh, the ideas that we're able to share. And I I excitedly told him, I said, Carl, Carl, I've I've found what I was meant to be. And he uh, he calmly asks, uh, Well, what is that, Brian? And, and uh, I said, I, I was meant to help others to find what they were meant to be. And so that began uh, an, an idea that has, uh, has developed into, uh, into something of a, uh, of an, I think of it as an extension of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because I think that was the basis of our conversation that day. Uh, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask you if you remember that one, but uh, that, that was a memorable day for me. And um, uh, I'm, I'm just I'm super glad to have you on the show today, Carl. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Brian. I'm excited to be on here as well. And yes, I do remember that day. And it was certainly a little bit warmer than it is here today, and uh, we were much younger in those days as well. <laughs> but I do, I do remember it very well. You know that it's interesting. You know, we've talked about uh, young, you know, the perspective of youth, and and uh, I, I told you about um, uh, being at the, uh, the the TED talks in Indianapolis in May this year. And the, the, yeah. there was a speaker there who was 73 years old, and, he, and I, afterwards I, I told him how excited I was to see him there because I, I kind of think of TED events as, as uh, something for the uh, millennials uh, rather than, uh, than for uh, 
those of us that uh, you know re- remember the eight track, for example, and uh, we we came up with the idea that youth is is uh, well. I think this is an idea that's been around for a while. That youth is a is is not so much a number; it's a state of mind. But I thought maybe a better definition of youth would be passion for an ideal, and that's a definition of youthfulness that that I've got kind of gone with for the past several months since we came up with that idea and you 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 are the kind of guy that reminds me of that because you have you have passion for ideals and when i see i, I when would I agree see with your that post, huh you you do agree with I that i would agree with that yeah. All right. Well, w- when I see your posts on on LinkedIn, for example, I see articles that you do, and um, and I uh, I follow your uh, your your work as a as a thought leader. What I'm Im- most impressed by, and I, I I've referred to you uh, as the conscience of capitalism, and something that we had talked about uh, in in preparation for the show a week or so ago was. Uh, There's an idea of uh, conscientious capitalism and conscious capitalism and then virtuous capitalism. And that's that's the one that that you uh, particularly uh, focus in on, right? Correct. And, you know, that's that's why I kind of corrected you on that is that I have been a disciple of looking at different different types of capitalism maybe the qualifiers fires of capitalism and you know consciousness and conscious capitalism just didn't resonate well with me and so I started looking at other ways that we can incorporate things and the virtues seem to continue to always rise to the top and so that's where I started uh, doing my research on incorporating uh, the virtues into capitalism and actually looking to create virtuous capitalistic endeavors uh, from all of them. I think that if you take a look at most startups, they fall into that virtuous capitalist system. Yeah, you know, I, I, I remember seeing something recently about how I think it was 87% of, um, of uh, college graduates uh, consider going to work for someone that doesn't share their values uh, to be a deal breaker. And I don't think the workforce has ever been more mobile than it is now. In that sense, that uh, people will simply not go to work with some of that they don't agree with or don't that that doesn't share their values, uh, and I, it's, it seems to me the virtues that you describe are the uh, are something that people can really um, run with. Is that absolutely? Uh, you know, McKinsey no. McKinsey has done a study out there as well. You know, shared values is what resonates with everybody. And so you're right, the number of people who would not be willing to work for somebody who doesn't have those shared values, but it's just as quickly when you talk about mobility, they don't stay on the job as long either when those virtues or those shared values uh, are not exhibited. So I think, Mm -hmm. you know, from I talk to a lot of HR people and they say that, you know, both parties are putting their best foot forward. None of the ugly scars and warts are shown in an interview. Uh, even mm-hmm. when they say, do you have any questions of us? I think most companies put forth their best foot, and I believe mm-hmm. that every employee or prospective employee puts forth their best foot. It's only when they get inside, as you know, Teddy Rosen would say, inside the arena, where we start to see some of those, uh, they don't live up, they don't walk the walk or talk the talk. And I think that's where people become disenfranchised 
with what they signed up for, and they are much quicker uh, to leave those organizations. So even if we are attracting these talented individuals at, at whatever stage they are, whether they're boomers or, or they're Gen X, Y, or millennials, you know, they, you have to have a culture in which they can resonate with, in which they have that. And so I don't have any issues with conscious capitalism, except that they just tend to fall short in a couple different areas. And so I think the virtues pick up those gaps. Which, uh, okay, uh, in, in particular, what do you see as a, as a gap that, uh, that the virtuous capitalism uh, ideal um, fills? Well, I think, you know, if you take a look at conscious capitalism, there's four tenets that they have a higher purpose, which mm-hmm. is basically what they describe as a mission. And I have no problem with that. I think many companies mm-hmm. are hiring mission, you know, hire for mission is, is a major part of it. They want to integrate stakeholders into their organization. I think that's a, a viable uh, and an important part in making sure that we're addressing all individuals who have a vested interest in that business being successful and not just shareholders, but stakeholders. They identify conscious leadership and they also identify comp- culture, conscious culture and management. And I think that if you take the literal interpretation of conscious, it's an awareness. And mm-hmm. I think that where the virtues come in, there are habits of the heart. So these are habits that are practiced. They're not, I'm simply aware of what's needed. I'm practicing what's needed. So as we go back to, you know, the conscious capitalist is people, planet, and profit, the three Ps, um, you know, a caring culture, nothing wrong with that at all. But how do you turn that into an action of the heart, a habit of the heart? And so the virtuous capitalistic model incorporates the good, 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 good products and services that an organization can provide to the consumer, a good working Mm -hmm. environment, which includes a living wage, and then doing good with your wealth, so giving back to the communities in which they serve. And I think Mm -hmm. that when you take a look at that, it's, it's important to have all of those elements is the action, not just an awareness, and, um, and, in, and incorporating those three goods into the model itself. Sounds like uh, the, uh, you know, the action, something from the heart rather than just something from the mind. Uh, my, my first picture on that is kind of a left brain, right brain kind of thing. Um, you know, awareness being, you know, a, a linear left brain kind of thing. And then um, the, um, the heart-based uh, uh, empathetic behavior being more of a right brain thing. Is that, is that um, in target? Very, very much so. And I think that if you take a look at, it's the way that you address things. I mean, I can be aware of climate change, for example, and I'm not going to go into that area because it's, it's, a, it's a very volatile situation now, but there's cost to both a business and to the consumer when we talk about climate change and addressing that. But to, for me to be aware of it as a business owner and for me to take action as a business owner are two different things. Uh, poverty, another issue that's huge in, in the business environment. It's one thing for me to be aware of it, but if I take actions to eliminate that poverty or, or in, it, I'll put it into more positive, to encourage human flourishing, then I mm-hmm. believe that that's where I'm making my best impact. So it's to me, it's the action. It's not the passive understanding or awareness of something. It's the action that one business takes over the other business that's conscious of what they're doing, but not necessarily moving in that same direction, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And, and I, I love that, uh, that phrase, encouraging human flourishing. Uh, wow. What a, you know, what a, what a, uh, uh, a pro- 
Well, you know, the thing about it is, is that I believe that all businesses, I mean, if you take a look at, there's an article out today that came out on burnout and how people become burned out. And I think mm-hmm. that how people become burned out is they forget why they work. And if they get into oh, yeah. the mindset of, here's why I work, and you said it best, I'm here to make a difference, I'm here to serve others, if you forget that, then yes, you're going to be burned out in your, in your mm-hmm. work environment. But if yeah. you can say, I'm here to serve others, and I'm here to make a difference, and that's what drives you, that's what motivates you, you should never get burnt out as long as you keep the focus on that particular motivation. It's when people lose that motivation, that I'm in this for myself, that I'm in this so that others can make a difference in my life, that's when I think that you start seeing the burnout or people wanting to walk away or this mm-hmm. office is no good or the grass is greener somewhere else. I think you see a lot of those different elements when, when we take a look at that. So, um, yeah. you know, a, a lot of different things. As, as I traveled, I was in Philadelphia this weekend. And, you know, to see that, the lack of human flourishing um, from a variety of different businesses that mm-hmm. people embedded into their cell phones kind of missing out that, hey, you're here to serve and you're here to serve others. And that doesn't mean to bury your face into social media or it doesn't mean for you to excuse yourself from some of the issues that are going on in the community. You, you really need to be a good steward of the, of the community that you're serving. And when we lose sight of that, then I think everything else falls apart. And, and uh, we'll come back to that. Uh, with you know, The stewardship is, uh, is a big part of it. Uh, we're going to break, uh, but we'll be back uh, with uh, Dr. Carl Sovak. On, uh, in, in, on the other side of 60 seconds. Stick with us. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. 
Yeah, welcome back, Bravehearts. Uh, you're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're listening to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio. And I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking with Dr. Carl Sovak about the future. Uh, it's better than you think it is, and why that is. Um, Connect with us on our through our sponsor website. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. And I always like to mention uh, the Project Spotlight Hope. We've been getting a lot of good feedback feedback on Project Spotlight Hope uh, at BraveHeartsForKids.org or SpotlightHope.org. You can email me at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. And connect with us on the social media, too. I'd love to have you connect on LinkedIn. Um, our guest today is Dr. Carl Sovak. He is a professor of business at the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. I know it's a couple of things that are on, are on your uh, profile, Carl, about entrepreneurship and leadership. Uh, if you want to connect with Carl, it's K Sovac. That's K S O V A K at umary.edu. So, welcome back to the show, Carl. Uh, you know, on on um, on your um, uh, on your profile, I, I see that you're you're uh, uh, teaching and facilitating courses in uh, in a variety of things, including entrepreneurship and leadership. And I think entrepreneurship seems like something that that really wasn't a big college area when I was uh, in, in a college age. And it seemed like um, that's an area that uh, maybe has, has become more of a, a focus for, for actually uh, teaching in higher education. Is that, does that seem right? Well, I think that it has for, for the most part. What we utilize it for is to take those students who want to take it to the next level I'm not a big proponent that you can teach somebody to be an entrepreneur. I think that it, it's embedded in someone's DNA. And yeah. So I'm more inclined to say, hey, if you have this passion within you, let me help you bring that passion out. And, and a business degree certainly can assist them with that because then they know all the operational side of thing and they can take that idea uh, to uh, you know, the proper um, next step. And that's where I really come in as I, I work with the entrepreneurs. So I probably have four or five student ventures right now that we're working with to try and assist them in, in developing their, their product or their service and in taking that to the next level. I, I just think that it's essential. It's, it's part of what I believe is, is my mission. Uh, when you talk about you being a mission, I, I feel in very capable hands, by the way. So I thank you for that. But um, my mission is, is to help people flourish. I think I go back to that is making sure that, that we're addressing people's uh, ability to do what they want to do. Uh, I was versed under Dewey Teets, who was the owner of Cross Country Courier here in Bismarck. And his whole philosophy was never die with the passion inside of you. And uh, we actually created an incubator to assist our, our startup founders uh, with a place to, to kind of hang out and incubate their ideas or maybe see ways that they weren't going to work and cut their losses rather quickly. But that was Dewey's whole part is just to never die with the passion inside of you. And so that's my philosophy when we talk about entrepreneurship, but I think it fits in very well. Uh, when you talk about the future is bright, because you have a lot of bright students out there, a lot of bright mm -hmm. young people out there that really want to take their passion to the next level. Well, and it, you know, it, uh, I, I say over and over again uh, the idea that um, I believe that every truly successful business 
in the third millennium will be some kind of a social enterprise. And, you know, that's that's something where uh, I really haven't had to defend that very, very strenuously. But the the sense that I have is that that's where people want to be and that that will be um, where people will gravitate to. And the the example I think of as uh, as as an example of a social enterprise is Tesla, you know, which um, is. uh, you know, it's it's the coolest cars around, and uh, there's something about it that uh, people like the idea that uh, that there there's something here that is uh, is beyond uh, you know beyond the ordinary. Um, that you may bet. not be the yep. that's a good example. Yeah, may may not be the best way of describing that, but you know they've got they're going to space too. You know, and and you know we we've talked about space on the show. Uh, on a number, you know, it's a big issue on this show, a big, uh, a big uh, uh, um, topic, you know. Um, yeah, and, and, and uh, they, they have solar panels and different things like that as well. So, you know, Tesla yeah. is, a, is a fine example of, of using innovation uh, to, to help or better the community. And I think it goes back, you and I have kind of bantied this around. We have our little Venn diagram that exists, you know, and mine is yeah. my work, my gifts, and the needs of others. And that intersection of those three is really where we can make the biggest impact in terms of serving others, and that falls right into that social mission. And that's primarily what I work with is um, nonprofits, not for profits, mm-hmm. uh, working with them to help them better apply their mission. And so I do strategic plans and feasibility studies for them, board governance, whatever they might need in help to put their organization in the right place to take care of the needs of others. And it, it is very rewarding. Uh, that's I think that's something that that every community needs to have is really an advocate on behalf of those organizations that are trying to make a difference in that social arena. Yeah, I think that, that you know when you talk about the Venn diagram and the you know, the uh, the three goods that you mention, that's that's your good, 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 is isn't that right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, in you know, in relation to the the intersection of where social entrepreneurship comes through, though, is it, it's your works, the things that you're doing, your gifts. And then mm-hmm. the needs of others, and when you can take the intersection of that to its fullest potential, like I said, that's where you're starting to make a difference in the communities, and that's why you know going back to your initial thought at the beginning, the future is very bright because we have a lot of people who are willing to take their gifts, incorporate them into their work, and then take care and satisfy the needs of others. And you'd mentioned that you've, you're uh, you're uh, mentoring some students that are that have uh, entrepreneurial enterprises now. Uh, you see that to, to be in that social enterprise uh, type of uh, type of arena as well. No, they. <laughs> that's, that's something where we we need to work on them. They still see that profit is a very good motivator and is a very good driver. Um, we do have a couple of people who take a look at and then they realize, hey, this is a lot of work and I'm not going to get much out of it. I think that still resonates within our society. And uh, but we're trying to create an, a new generation of students leaders who want to take on those issues and who say, you know, it's not all about the money. It goes back to the, that tenet of a higher purpose. I need to have a higher purpose for me to to move forward. And uh, hopefully, I can find that within an organization. But if I can't, maybe I create the organization, be the change you want yeah. to see, as Gandhi said. And I, yeah, I think absolutely. that that's what we're seeing. So right now, like I said, we have a lot of students that that have that for-profit mission still in their head. Um, but as we work with them, I think they start seeing that there's a way for us to give back. 
and um, it, it goes into that good, good, good model. So um, I'm, I'm good with either one. Uh, I think yeah. the social entrepreneurship has a, a, a lot more challenges to it in order of getting it started, whereas mm-hmm. I think if you can get a for-profit business going and then want to do good with that wealth that you've created, uh, particularly giving it back to employees, so you're starting to see a lot more ESOPs and employee stock-owned pensions and things mm-hmm. like that, 100% employee-owned type businesses that are really invested in the people and bringing value to the people who are the ones that are instrumental in helping that business survive and, and succeed. And when you've got the uh, the people that uh, that are working there have uh, a sense of the mission corresponding with the mission that they have themselves, then they, then they've really got they, they've got some energy for it. They've got a passion for it. And what you know that you mentioned the Venn diagram. What I talk about is the uh, the intersection of the mission of the organization and the mission of the individual, and perhaps the. Um, uh, the uh, uh, co-workers or customers, and that's a sweet spot that um, that has some real that has some real uh, uh, value to it too. So, um, you know, the the idea that uh, profit. Uh, profit and, and nonprofits is something that is is probably not very well understood. I think for a lot of people that run nonprofits or are starting nonprofits, and I, I hear so often, and you probably have too, where you know somebody says, um, you know, we're, "We're not we're not we're not a business. We're a nonprofit." And the the <laughs> idea that you that you can that you can uh, you know there's there's something about a, a for profit business where there may be more of a perception that there's a product that is sold and there's a margin on that and uh it actually the word margin is something that i was reminded that uh, uh our friend Vern dosh uh used that he's you know there's no mission without margin and for a nonprofit or a cooperative or something like that i think that's an interesting way of looking at it that uh, there is no mission without the margin and so there you know in a sense there is a profit that you have to have to run a nonprofit or to you know to to even exist as a nonprofit but we don't call it profit well, I mean, it is still, it's a not-for-profit just saying, hey, we're not going to use those profits to redistribute to somebody. We're going to pour those back into the organization. You're exactly right. But I, I want to share one of the things that I think that we're starting to see, you know, profit is not an evil thing. Profit is necessary, whether you're a not-for-profit, non-profit, uh, or a for-profit corporation, you know, profit is necessary, and and Vern had it exactly right, is you have to have the right margins in order to have a sustainable business. But one of the things I think that's important, and particularly for students to understand, is philanthropy um, is not necessarily charity. Philanthropy is is love of man. If you break that down, uh, the the literal Mm -hmm. interpretation of philanthropy is love of mankind. And so, you know, when we can get people to understand profit can be used for good and we can certainly uh-huh. see businesses that are sitting on 80 and 90 billion dollars worth of profit and not redistributing it not doing anything with it because they're waiting for the next downturn we've been talking about that for the last five years of oh this is going to bust at some time it has to bust and we mm-hmm. saw what happened in 2008 and 2009 and so i think you have a little a little reluctance or maybe a lot of reluctance from a majority of these uh, major corporations and but the new generation of individuals coming through really want to uphold that that yes profit is good and it can be used for good and it should be used for good and that's where the the different philosophy is now coming through and it and it really becomes that more philanthropic uh, aspect, love of mankind. How can I give back to mankind with what I have? 
And that sounds like a virtue, you know, a high virtue. Love very much so. And that's, that's again, yeah. that's where the virtues come through is I'm very prudent what I do with my money. I certainly don't want to spend all of my profit. But, you know, if you're sitting with $90 billion and you take 10% of that, you still have a lot of money. And, and that's the way I look at it. And what difference could you make with that 10%, that $9 billion? What could you do? What difference could you make in the communities that you serve or really that serve you as a business? with that type of, of money, and you're still way far ahead. You know, you're, you're probably earning 12 or, or 13% uh, on, on those returns, and you can really make a huge difference. And so that's, you know, the prudence that goes along with that and just giving, giving someone their dues, especially if you're not providing a living wage. Uh, those are the kind of things that we talk to our students about. And it's certainly different than socialism. I, I am an yeah. adamant believer that capitalism is the greatest model, economic model that we have. It's risen more people out of poverty than ever before. Um, so I'm not talking about a redistribution or anything else. I'm talking about a, an effort and a, an awareness, the consciousness of a business to say we can do better with our profits. And that's, that's what it good. all boils down to. That's what a virtuous capitalist does. That's good. That's good stuff. We're, we're going to take a little break again. We'll be back on the other side of 60 Seconds with Dr. Carl Sovak. Virtuous capitalism. Uh, stick with us. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also email Brian. His email is mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. Uh, you are listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned into voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio. And I'm so grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about the future, and it's better than you think it is. 
contact me at Bravehearts uh, Mission Specialist at BraveheartsRadio.org. Contact our guest, Dr. Carl Sovac at ksovac at umary.edu. That's K-S-O-V-A-K at umary.edu. And uh, Carl, that's actually an email uh, emails uh, uh, that would fit in a form. You know, there's uh, something I've noticed, and I, I guess I'd, I like to take an ironic approach to things sometimes. That, that the uh, you know you, you you fill out a form and it's got a space about the size of a local phone number for your uh, for your email. <laughs> <laughs> yes, keep it simple. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so today is uh, today is. Uh, I always like to uh, also uh, give a shout out to uh, the National Day Calendar, nationaldaycalendar.com. Uh, the National Day Calendar people are tremendous supporters of Brave Hearts for Kids, the uh, pediatric cancer charity. And uh, today is uh, October 14th. It is, um, uh, well, it's a, a post office uh, holiday, Columbus Day. And I checked to see if the post office uh, was going to be open. Sherry was going to take something to the post office today. They're not open today. So uh, it's Be Bald and Be Free Day, uh, Dessert Day, Native American Day, Online Banking Day, and kick butt day. I'm not sure if that's a stop smoking <laughs> deal or, uh, you know, or, or, or well, maybe we'll find out. Online banking day kind of struck me as kind of funny because, uh, you know, if it's a postal holiday, it's probably a bank holiday. So if you want to do some banking, you might have to do it online today. So we were talking uh, in the last segment uh, about um, uh, a little bit about the good, good, good model. And, you know, when we uh, talked about uh, that a little bit uh, last week, Carl, uh, I mentioned that I had a couple of um, goals for the show in the first 13 weeks of the uh, Bravehearts radio show. And the first one was to uh, have fun, which I later thought, well, maybe I'll call that gamifying it because we do talk about gamifying things and gamifying the workplace and and making things fun this then the second thing was um be grateful for the opportunity gratitude is the beginning of all good things and then the third one is get good at it and i thought with those three g's and your good 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 idea you know we're, we got a six g show today uh, <laughs> we can't beat that we might, that might be the first one, you know. <laughs> we might be the first ever 6G show. Uh, wow. But, like uh, yeah, the, the, so the good, good, good model, that was something that uh, I think is, is, um, is, is, is a memorable way of putting it. Can you tell us a little and, more and about that? Yeah, so, you know, the thing about it is, is that when you, whenever you establish, like I said, new qualifiers in front of a term that's been around for many, many years, you know, a lot of people will refer to the wealth of nations and Adam Smith and talking about wealth and capitalism. You know, he never mentions capitalism in that, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And we were just talking about that at our conference this weekend. And, and James Otteson is a uh, American philosopher and political um, economist. But he, he was saying, you know, in this good, good, good model, he was saying that a lot of this would be the analogy of you build a sandcastle, you don't look to everybody and say, hey, look at all the sand that I created, right? You look at the creation of what's there. So you Mm -hmm. don't take credit for the sand around there and all of that kind of stuff. And I really love that analogy. And that, that to me, strikes of what the good, good, good model is all about, is you take credit for the things that you're doing, 
not everything else that's around there. And so, you know, in, in taking a look at that, you know, um, it's, it's important for us to understand, well, what do you mean by, by goods, you know, good products or services? Well, things that aren't detrimental to the, the society. Volkswagen is a, is a prime example. We use them as a case study. Their emission scandal that they had, right, that wasn't a good product to the American people. Um, and, you know, we take a look at those types of things. So making sure that you're providing those, those good products and services that consumers can use and then if you take the, the middle section of that, you know, you do a good work environment, um, you know, what's a, what's, what's a living wage? Well, a living wage has to be what the market can bear. And so uh, another great, uh, a great thing that was mentioned was we can either all be, be rich and not equal or we can all be poor and be equal. And which, which would you prefer? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that model in taking a look at what the market can bear and there's been an uproar of $15 an hour, minimum wage, and that kind of stuff, that all has consequences to it. And in doing good mm-hmm. with your wealth, just simply who accumulated that wealth, it's generally the worker. And a lot of people say, oh, you're Marxist. Well, you know, it's, it's not being Marxist. It's just saying who, who contributed that wealth to that company. And there are workers who contributed the wealth to that company, and they should be well taken care of. So it's, it's taking that model and saying, you know, we're, we're focusing on the sandcastle. We're not focusing on all the sand around it. We didn't create that sand. We just did something with it. And that's what that good, good, good model is designed to do. It's kind of, it sounds like something of a repudiation of Gordon Gecko's greed is good model. <laughs> there you go. We, I'll repudiate we, that today. We, we, we are just rocking the G's today. So uh, th- thanks, Gordon Gecko, for making that one easy. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's, um, uh, oh my gosh, there's, there's just, I think there's a lot of things that uh, we are, are leaving uh, more questions than answers, and which is a good thing because, uh, you know, we're always looking for people to write in and, and give us their comments uh, for the show and, and following up with the opportunity to uh, talk with other organizations and people that, that have some experience with this good, good, good. When you, when you mention living wage, um, you know, that's something that I, I, I think of as a, as, as a vastly variable thing on the world stage. Uh, and that's and that's where we're we're really dealing with that uh, on a on a world stage, right? Oh, absolutely, the, yeah. The world economy, because yeah. Go ahead. No, you go. Oh, okay. Well, because what I'm thinking is that the uh, uh, you know the 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 living wage here is so much different than it is in other parts of the world, and that's part of the uh, the reason for economies shifting, isn't it? Correct. And, and, you know, when we, when we get into that, that argument or that discussion, like I said, a lot of people refer that back to Marxism or whatever, but you know, it was mm-hmm. actually FDR in one of his addresses uh, to, to the uh, American public is that, you know, the two chickens in every, or two, two cars in every garage or whatever his whole thing was there. I'm not a big FDR follower, but his, a, his whole a, thing a chick, was... A chicken in every is, pot was part of it. Chicken in every pot, there you go. And yeah. Two cars in every garage or whatever it is. Um, but anyway, his, his whole thing was that businesses have an obligation to provide that living wage, um, but then prefacing that with that the market needs to make that determination. And so I think that it's mm-hmm. critical for us to understand is that, yes, what I'm doing here in Bismarck the living wage might go a little bit farther 
than if we, we tried to instill that in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York, right? I mean, um, I don't think that a $15 an hour is going to help that individual in that type of market. You know, they're still going to be in that impoverished or that below poverty level area. So it's, it's critical for us to take a look and say where the market can, can absorb that without passing it on to the consumer or being a detriment to, to public, you know, they, they have an obligation to be able to, to provide that. And that's really all that this virtuous capitalism is, uting, utilizing prudence. Can I do this as a business owner and not have mm-hmm. a detriment? I'll give you a quick example. Yeah. is Punch Pizza in Minneapolis. Punch Pizza raised their minimum wage up to, I think it was $11 and then $12 and $15 an hour because they wanted to attract the greatest talent out of that that pool of individuals mm-hmm. who were looking for that minimum, basically minimum wage. And not only did they improve every one of their operations in their stores, but they opened more stores in the, in the Minneapolis and Minnesota area. So it proves that when where the market has a, a, ma- a major play, those businesses are able to thrive a little bit for us. That's what we're talking about with virtuous capitalism. So utilizing businesses like Punch Pizza in Minneapolis. And if you haven't eaten there, that's not a plug for them because they're probably not a sponsor, but excellent, excellent organization. You know, and the, the, yeah, there's uh, mo- most organizations are not a sponsor yet, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we <laughs> always have the opportunity. Um, you know, another one that I think of as uh, uh, as, as having a, a different way of going about things is, uh, is a Chick-fil-A. Uh, I did a workshop for a, uh, a, a Chick-fil-A uh, management team uh, a few years ago, and it was interesting because it was, you know, it was a group of managers, and they were—I um, don't think any of any of the managers of the of that Chick Fil A restaurant were were even 21 years old. Um, but uh, the owner of the restaurant uh, wanted to do something to um, uh, you know for uh, uh, building the. Um, uh, the, the the restaurant and helping these young people with their careers, but they they've got a system where they're they're not open on Sundays, and I I believe they do that for uh, religious reasons. But uh, they you know what what they do is they they attract a uh, uh, a worker that uh, values that time off, and in in retail that's a that's a tough man that is a tough schedule. I, I think I can't. To, to, I can't remember what the total amount was that Chick Fil A loses from not having sales on. They took their average sales per day, and how yeah. much they would be losing on a Sunday, and it was in the billions. So just yeah. on an annual basis, they lose billions of dollars, and and the the Kathy family is fine with that. They're fine with with that because they don't have it. And to to note that they are in the Atlanta Falcons football stadium, mm-hmm. and. The Atlanta Falcons play most of their games on Sunday, and Chick-fil-A yeah. is not open on Sunday. So they're embedded in a venue that's not open the majority of the time. And again, when they could be deriving the greatest revenues, and then you have the Hobby Lobbies and other organizations that are like that as well. L.L. Bean mm-hmm. is, is another example of organization. I'm just, yeah, they're out there, and I think that they just need to be promoted and heralded a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. we do see these organizations that continue to thrive with, with the virtues intact. Yeah, and uh, you know the the, uh, the the way I look at it, you know, I say uh, every truly successful business in the third millennium will be a social enterprise, and it might get to the definition of truly successful, but it. Um, 
you know, that, that, and that's something that I, I suppose I haven't precisely defined that yet, but I, I do believe that that's going to be the way that we see things is that um, people will say, I want to work, I want to work here. I don't want to work there. And uh, many people will decide, um, you know, I just, I just want to work on my own. You know, when I, I spent a lot of time working with small business owners, I spent uh, uh, most of a, a, a sales career with the National Federation of Independent Business, uh, calling on independent business owners and training uh, sales reps to also call on independent business owners. And the thing that I found interesting about independent business owners is that, for the most part, they were not in business for themselves because they were seeking to be rich. Um, most of the people that I worked with, they, you know, and they would, they would, uh, they would tell you this too. They say, "I just can't work for someone else," and so they, they, uh, they, That's true. they value that freedom more than more than anything else um, above well, other I things. Well, I think the other so. thing that. I think the other thing that goes along with that, what they value is I'm making a difference, right? I'm making this contribution. And it's not like my company is doing this, I'm doing this. So they want to be a part of their own organization that's able to do that and say, my company is doing this, my employees are doing this for you. There's a, a number of community, local community businesses in which they give days off for their employees to volunteer and a lot of people say, oh, that's just a waste. You know, they're not being productive and, and everything else. And they're just taking time off to golf. And not one of them takes any time off to golf. Not a one of yeah. them. All of yeah. them go out and do some type of voluntary service. And the community is grateful for them. So, again, where this, this virtuous side of things comes through, um, people are finding more productivity in the workplace and more loyalty to the, empl- to the company, uh, not less. Yep. Well, we're, we've got uh, one final break before we wrap things up here, and then we'll come back. I got the Chamber of Commerce story I want to tell, and uh, then we'll wrap things up with Dr. Carl Sovac on uh, Bravehearts Radio this afternoon. Stay with us. We'll be back after about 60 seconds. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You're part of Brave Hearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And what? welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Brave Hearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You are tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today we're talking about the future and why it's better than you think it is. To connect with us, check out our sponsor website. That's braveheartsforkids.org. Uh, you can email me at mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org and be sure to connect with us on social media too. Uh, like us and follow us on Facebook at the Brave Hearts for Kids Facebook page or connect with me on LinkedIn. Our guest today is Dr. Carl Sovak from the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. He can be reached at ksovak at umary.edu. That's K-S-O-V-A-K at umary.edu. And uh, we were talking about the, uh, well, everything reminds me of a story, you know. And and so what we were talking about coming out of the last segment was the... uh, the, the, I call it my chamber of commerce talk. And, you know, I'd be speaking to a chamber of commerce and I, you know, people that, uh, for the most part, are business owners and people that run businesses. And I'd say, uh, you know, you, you're passionate about your business, right? And people are like, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, and you want people that are, that are passionate that are going to be working for you too, right? And they go, yeah, yeah. And then I see people leaning in like, now he's going to tell us how to find them or how to, how to make that happen. And, and you know, my, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pause for a moment and I'll say, get real. People that work for you are not going to be passionate about your business the way you're passionate about your business. It's your business, but they will be passionate about something. Let them be. And it's the idea that people that are passionate about something bring that passion to the workplace. They bring an energy in their life to the workplace that's just plain good for business. So when you when you talk about an organization that has, a, you know, you work for us four days a week, you work, do something on your own, um, you know, the, the other day. And, um, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, some, some would look at that and say, oh my gosh, that's, that's wasteful, that's foolish. Well, you know, that's the way Google does it. And they, they, they have done really well over the years uh, as, a, as a business. And so, yeah, yeah. In, in fact, uh, you know, when I, when I speak to youth, you know, I, I'll, I'll talk about servant leadership and, and uh, you know, the idea that, uh, uh, you know, Howard Thurman's great quote, don't ask what does the world need, ask instead what makes me come alive, then go do that. And you'll find that that's actually what the world needs. And, um, you know, servant leadership doesn't, it isn't necessarily, that doesn't mean that you're, um, destitute it, you know it doesn't mean that you're that you're not making a living by being a servant you know because you know the, the Sergey Brin and Larry Page the guys that started Google they, they've done pretty well by finding a way to help people find everything else right sure. so 
You know, you know, yeah. one of the the adages that I use in the classroom is, you know, telling people, well, you yeah. know that old adage of you can't lead a horse to water and make them drink, right? And I tell right. them, but you can if you have a thirsty horse. You just need to find more thirsty horses. And and that's <laughs> what we've gotten away from is we don't want to find thirsty horses. We just want to find the first horse that we have or take the first horse that we have. So it's critical that we go out there and try and find more thirsty horses. Those people who have, again, an alignment within and a shared value with your company and then they'll care about your company as much as you do. But if you don't find those thirsty horses that, that share and align that, that, uh, those values with you, yeah, it's going to be a very difficult road for you to hoe with, with those individuals. So, Yeah, I know every analogy falls apart at some point. But, you know, I'm thinking that if people see that you're beating a horse and riding until it's exhausted and then not caring for it, they're, no matter how thirsty they are, they're probably not going to always be looking for a way to leave. And it's the ones that uh, it's the the virtuous capitalists, the one that that says, I, you know what, I, 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 I care about the business. I also care about the customers and I care about you as an employee. Those are going to be the successful ones. Absolutely. So anybody out there want to share with me some examples of virtuous capitalists, email me. Brian yeah, has my email. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, and yeah, K Sovac at umary.edu. You can also email me at uh, mission specialist at braveheartsradio.com. One last thing I want to uh, shout out uh, about uh, Elliot Kipchoge. Uh, I've been following this for a while, and, and he's uh, the world record holder in the marathon. And in a competitive race, he's run just over two hours. Well, this past weekend on Saturday, he ran uh, one minute 59 uh, or one hour, 59 minutes and 40 seconds for a marathon that was paced and um, and assisted. But he did it. He broke the two-hour barrier. And that's something that um, I think is, is just an amazing testimony to um, the human spirit. And he said he did it because he, he wants to unlock the idea that there are barriers to what can be accomplished. Uh, I think it's our generation's version of the four-minute mile. So, uh, Carl, Carl, it's been absolutely a pleasure having you on the show. Uh, and for everyone out there, thanks for joining us this week. We've been talking about the future, and it's better than you think it is. And virtuous capitalism has a lot to do with this. We're on Bravehearts Radio on the flagship Variety Channel on VoiceAmerica.com. Remember to check out our BraveHeartsForKids.org website. Follow and like us on Facebook. You can also email me at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Carl at KSovac at umary.edu. Please plan to join us every Monday at 4 Eastern Time, 1 Pacific. Next week, we will be talking more about social enterprises, and we will have as our special guests your calls. Remember that doing good anywhere does good everywhere, and we'll see you again next week. Until then, be well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Brave Hearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.